0: We're listening to the Flip My Funnel Podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Monday, and in these episodes, you'll hear Sangram interview incredible practitioners, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs within our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go.
1: First of all, as everybody's listening to this, this topic is about how do we far employable? And Jeff, you and I were just chatting a few minutes ago and you're based out of Spain. Um, so to give me a little bit of like the story of like how it came about, this is like your fourth book. You've done books on other topics before, but this is this is acting more relevant now than ever before. So your timing is impeccable. So when, when Brian Wish, a good friend of mine, he said, hey, you got to interview Jeff. And I'm like, well, who's Jeff? And he's like, well, he's writing a book you know, the title is perfect. Like, well, how to be forever employable. Who doesn't want to know how to be, stay employed or be employable? Uh, and the book is coming out soon. So give me a little bit of a taste of who you are, what made you kind of get this book writing, and then we'll get into two questions around this.
0: Sure. So uh, I'm a uh, designer, I was a designer, software designer for a decade, more than a decade. Um, I moved into doing product management and leading teams. And then about um, 10 years ago or so, I helped teams, uh, design teams and product development teams, digital product development teams, um, solve a problem that was plaguing the industry. I didn't do it by myself. I did it with my colleagues at work and with some other folks outside of work. And um, in doing so, I was able to establish myself as a recognized expert In this particular field, functional collaboration, great product design, uh, product management, customer centricity. Um, I wrote a book about it and about the topic, and that changed my trajectory. I was able to build a career for myself as a trainer, a coach, and a consultant, a public speaker, and an author. And over the last few years, people keep asking me, well, how did you build this career? Because ultimately, I ended up going self-employed. And then a few years ago, uh, to Europe, because the the work is everywhere rather than in a specific location. And so what's happened there is um, people have kept asking me and over and over and over again, well, how did you build this career? How did you build this, this platform for yourself? And I finally, finally had the opportunity last year to write a presentation for a meetup with a bunch of executives. Called the author's journey, how I went from practitioner to author, and that really got this off the ground. And over the last year or so, I've refined that into the book Forever Employable, and it is my fourth book, and it's a really interesting book because it is a a bit of a departure from everything else I've written. So my first book, Lean UX, the one over my head here, is a it's a design book. It's a it's a book originally written by designers for designers, although the scope is a bit bigger. My second book was a business book called Sense and Respond, published in Harvard Business Review Press. Third book, I self-published, again, sort of a product design book. And then this is a far more personal book from every angle. It's a book that tells a bit of my story. It's it's a book that focuses on you, the individual, uh, your career, your personal growth, rather than a product. But it draws a lot of ideas that I've learned uh, from digital product development and applies them into your, again, to your career and, and professional growth? Yeah, I love the journey because
1: in some ways, I think I'm in the midst of it, Jeff, uh, because I'm the founder of a, a, you know, I would say, a pretty good-sized company. We're about 250 people at Terminus. Uh, in the process in the last five years, so I ended up writing two books on marketing. And both of the books, the whole point of writing those books was to to get the message of better marketing, we call it account-based marketing, out in the marketplace. And once and I, I went through a traditional publishing house, and then I went to this quasi-publishing house, the next time I think I want to just do self-publish and stuff. So maybe one day we need to do this, this author journey conversation and, and just make it... If, if people, if you're interested, just uh, give us a thumbs up. We will we'll certainly do that. But it is a very interesting journey and probably less appreciated than, uh, than, than, than most. Because it's such a big difference from going a practitioner to a full-time author, speaker, writer.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, and, and, the, there, and, and the book talks about how, how to do that. And, and to be clear, it wasn't an accident, right? It was an explicit decision that I made on the morning I turned 35. So the morning of my 35th birthday, I woke up in a bit of a cold sweat, a bit of a panic, because at that point in my life, I was I was about 10 years into my career. I got a bit of a late start. Because I, I played music in bands for a little while and toured around um before I started working professionally. Before I started getting tired of being broke. When <laughs> did you play the band? I play keyboards. All
1: right. Very cool. Very good. No wonder you yeah. like uh, like uh,
0: like strokes. Uh, so that, that that connects the dots for me. For sure, for sure. And so yeah, and so I, I spent I spent a decade sort of following the traditional career path, you know, applying for jobs, getting the next gig a little bit more money, a slightly better title, a couple more direct reports, that type of thing. And when I, when I turned 35, you know, I'd had a pretty good run at that point. Uh, you know, I was married, had two kids, I had a house, a couple of cars, I had a good job, the director of user experience at the ladders in New York City, building a team and everything was going great. And the reason I woke up in a panic on that morning was I was terrified that when I turned 40, five years later, I would be old, too expensive and unemployable um, because as you, as you kind of, if you follow the traditional career path, as you work your way up the corporate ladder, the number of opportunities are, become fewer and fewer, right? There's less manager jobs. There's less leadership roles. There's less, you know, president jobs than there are individual contributor jobs. And so uh, I was terrified that all these younger designers were coming into the market, were better than me. They were faster than me. They had newer skills. They were hungrier than me. And uh, perhaps the scariest part was they were significantly cheaper than me. Mm. Um, And and I was hiring them. I knew exactly how much I was paying them and what I was getting paid. And and it wasn't like this this party was going to end at some point with me me not being able to support my family. And so I made an explicit decision on the morning of my 35th birthday to stop chasing jobs. I just wasn't going to play this game anymore. I wasn't going to look for jobs anymore. Instead, I decided the jobs were going to find me. That was kind of the resolution you know, on that day. And the purpose of that was to figure out, essentially, I didn't I didn't use the phrase back then, this, how to become forever employable. How to create a situation where the next opportunities are inbound yeah. ra- rather than me doing active outreach, looking for work, the work, the opportunities, whatever it is. Comes to me. And that was a very explicit decision and then go and create a platform for myself, a thought leadership platform, a recognized expert platform. And I'm going I'm to use the phrase personal brand. And I know that sometimes that gets a little like, you know, um, but I, I don't, I can understand there are people who use that term who don't necessarily have the credentials to use that term. But I think that if someone is an expert, shares and engages respectfully and builds a, a positive reputation around their expertise and the work that they've done, why not call that a personal brand i don't i don't really understand the negative connotation with that when when that's the foundation of it but i set out to create that and i've been working on that for for a long time to the point where it's it's what i do now it's it's i have this platform that i leverage to generate inbound work that way i don't have to play that game of chasing jobs anymore
1: interesting uh, and really like personally really interesting because I did not, I don't know. Like, I turned 40 last year. So you just go through those days and I'm like, oh gosh, you are so right. Um, all, yeah. all that. And I, I, I think a lot of people are scared uh, with that thought. They may not say it. They may not do it, um, anything like that. So, um, Peggy, welcome. Uh, Suraj, good to see you. Asha, really good to see you. Erica, so awesome to do. And, and Amy, thank you for keeping up with the group. Uh, so, Amy works with me and she helps me coordinate all these things so I can see her look at it. You can see that people love the throats uh, is a really good band. So people are already connecting with you um, around this. And so it's, it's really fun, interesting group of people that are coming together. Um, and I love this point around this trusted advisors have strong personal brand. I mean, trust is a big part of what you're building. Yeah. Walk us through this idea of creating a forever employable personal brand. Like how, how do you become forever employable? Like, Are there tenets of it? Are there rules of it? Are there laws of it? Are there principles yeah. of it?
0: Something that people can say, okay, you know what? This is something I can, I can start working on now. Yeah, so, so the, book, the book is very, very tactical, and very practical. If you read anything that I've ever written or published or seen any of my talks or any of that stuff, everything I put out there is, is very practical and tactical so you can take some stuff away. The book is no exception. So how does it happen? The first thing that you have to do is what I call in the book, Plant a flag. Yeah. Planting a flag means that you have to decide what you're going to build your platform on. What is domain? Where's your domain expertise? And more explicitly, what is that slice, the slice of that domain that you're going to own, right? So, marketing, for example, marketing is a massive domain, right? There's an infinite number of sort of sub genres of marketing you can talk about, not only in marketing. But you could slice it sort of horizontally, or maybe vertically by by like, hey, I, uh, you know, uh, I do I do direct you know, uh, direct to consumer marketing for the healthcare industry, right? Yeah. Something along those lines. So, so how are you going to carve out a space for yourself in that domain? So that's the first thing you have to do is to plant that flag and say, I'm going to be that person. So, for example, if you Google Lean UX, mm. right, I guarantee you. I'm the first 10 results, right? I'm the Lean UX guy, for better or for worse, forever. <laughs> right? <laughs> right?
1: I think a lot of people think that, hey, I don't want to be, and I want us to like really dive into this. Um, Jeff, you don't mind, is people think that, hey, yeah, if I, that might make me too niche, right? You know, yeah. that, that just may might make me too narrow and I have so much more to offer and stuff. Well, what would you say
0: to that? Yeah, so th- there is there is a truth to that, right? There's a truth to the fact that If you plant your flag and you become the person known for that thing, you become the recognized expert about that that content slice or that domain expertise, that's going to define you for a while. It doesn't mean you can't expand and offer more, but it's definitely going to take some work. So my experience has been, so look, I planted my flag with Lean UX. Lean UX solved a big problem for designers and software developers and product managers. And and that really helped me take off, right? I wrote, I wrote a book about it. I, I gave tons of presentations. Um, in 2015, roughly, I wanted to start to expand the conversation to be uh, more strategic and more business oriented because Lean UX was very very tactical, team level times individual contributor. I wanted to have a, a conversation with the managers and the leaders, and so I made an explicit decision that I'm going to, to broaden my conversation to be strategic and leader focused. Mm -hmm. And so, and so, but I gave my, it wasn't like, okay, I'm going to do this overnight. And then next week I'm going to be the strategic business, you know, the digital transformation business agility guy, right? right? It took two years of consistent messaging, of consistent writing, of consistent speaking. And then ultimately, ultimately writing and publishing a business book, with business book publisher, in this case, Harvard Business Review, to add credentials and credibility so that I could have that conversation with confidence and expand what I'm known for. So I'm still the Lean UX guy. And I, I don't think I'll ever not be the Lean UX guy, yeah. right? But slowly, 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 you can expand that. But to your point, there's tremendous value in being known for that. because Everybody comes to you first yeah. for that thing. And that's, that's a good place to be. You know, and, and I'm so glad you said that. I, I
1: think there's a whole, there's a quote around this, like the richest are in the niches. And there's a lot people say after that, which is, which is not where we're going to go, but the richest are in the niches. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's so true. When I think about account-based marketing and things, we, we were having a conversation with Jay Abraham, uh, who again, Brian introduced me uh, again, and we had that conversation last, last week. A lot of people uh, on this were on, on that. And he's all about direct consumer marketing. And we spent the first 30 minutes before we went live talking about account-based marketing, and he was fascinated. And I'm like, Jay, you have probably seen everything in the world because he, he has gone for thousands of industries. He's like, yeah, but not in B2B. That's the difference. Right. And I was surprised. I was like blown away. And, and it, it dawned on me, like, that's, that's good because now he knows that for B2B marketing, he can come to me and I have a conversation that I have and I can go to him for B2C stuff. But unless you have something that you have credibility for, you actually would be too thin. So, so one of the things that I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. We, we talk about this a lot of the audiences in marketing, sales and leadership, entrepreneurship uh, folks here. And so a lot of in marketing and sales specifically. So we talk about this all the time where, you know what? If you're starting a marketing team or if you're an organization, if you're a marketer, don't go and start talking about all the fluffy things to do unless you can show that you can drive business value, business returns, actual money, like drive drive results until you do that. You can't go and start talking about like, hey, why not just do these free things, or why not not do this event? Why not spend hundred thousand dollars? You won't get the ability to go get it. So I think in some ways that what I'm hearing from you is that hey, when you build reputation in one thing, it almost is going to give you the the ability to say, you know what? Yes, I'm really good at this, and not but, and
0: I can also talk about this stuff. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Look, the, the reason why. You know, the reason why you can build credibility and reputation in that thing, hopefully, is because you have experience in that thing, which makes the conversation that you're having authentic. It makes it real. You did the work, you know, especially if you're sharing not just your wins, but your losses and your learnings along the way as well. So you're building that authenticity, you're building that credibility, and you're building that audience, right? And as you start to expand You can take the audience with you. They might not be your desired new target audience, but they're the ones like, so for example, I'll be very, very specific. So instead of talking in in generalities, Lean UX is targeted at designers, product managers, and software engineers working together to build a product, okay? Now I've given hundreds of talks on the subject. I've taught hundreds of workshops and, and talked to a bunch of people. Without fail, after every single one of those events or activities, somebody came up to me and said, I wish my boss was here. I wish my boss would have heard you talk about this. This is great. I need my boss to hear this. Now, to me, that is an opportunity, right? I see that as an opportunity to have a different conversation with the bosses. And that's where the book I was just referencing, Sense and Respond, came out of, the business book, right? Now, we wrote that book for a leadership audience, uh, an aspiring leader audience. However, we did not have that audience Yet. Hmm. And so what we told our existing audience, which were the individual contributor, designers, developers, product managers, buy this book for your boss. Yeah. Right. And give it to your boss. Right. And so so, hey, you got to get your boss a Christmas. This is it. This is the Christmas gift for your boss. Right. And so you, you use the audience that you have, bring them with you and then help use them to help you grow. To the next thing, and and move move into those next circles with with them. But it takes time. It take, it takes time, and you might as well optimize the the niche that you have because again, I, I've been doing it for over a decade, still going strong. I hear you. All right. I hear you. All
1: right. Well, one of the things you said. What's next? What's next?
0: So plant a flag. The next thing is tell your story. Hmm. Um, this is uh, one of the most important things. Once you've identified. Where you'd like to go with this, you've got to be able to tell that story to anyone, uh, to everyone in any situation. So, meetups, webinars, podcasts, presentations, workshops, lunch and learns, elevator pitches, lightning talks—whatever it is, get out there and tell your story. It's it's absolutely the most uh, the most critical thing that you can do to get better at delivering the content, to get feedback on the content, to understand where there are gaps in what you're saying, to understand what's resonating where you should double down and what things you should let go. And the, be- the more that you, you tell your story, the better you know the story. And so there's a level of confidence that comes with that that increases your credibility as well. And it allows you to, to be uh, resilient regardless of your situation. So for example, I remember I was in Budapest, Hungary, giving a talk, there's a big event there every year when we have events um, called Craft Conference. It's a big software development conference, about 2000 people in a train museum. It's super cool and a super unique place to be. And um, I was giving a talk, it was about Lean UX something or other, in front of a couple thousand people on the stage and my laptop went out, the display went out, the slides went down, the whole thing, couldn't get it to happen, whatever it is, right? But I've been telling the story so often and for so many years at that point, I didn't need that stuff, right? You can kind of keep going. And, 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 and there's something cool about that. Like it's, it's, it's something cool about being able to pull that off. I'm not going to say that's cool for that to happen while you're presenting, but being able to recover like that shows that you really know the material and it, it, it shows that you've been telling the story for a while and that you're very good at it. And that, that really resonates and builds authenticity with your target market.
1: So right. It, so, uh, we're gonna have a link later on. Amy, just look out for a link from me uh, where you're gonna give away two of your books uh, because the book is launching on June 16th, right? Correct. Yeah, we're about three weeks away. Three weeks away from launching this book. I, I think it's it's really cool. Um, and how many steps are there in the process? So you get plant a flag, tell a story. Because the the I, the reason I'm asking that is because I want to make sure that people get two or three things and really. Really absorb yeah. it. We can get the rest from the book and, and more details. But if you were to say, "All right, here's the third thing. Here's the most important thing that people should yeah. to do." It is there one.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, yeah, I mean, there's there's 67 steps in the book. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> we're, we're not going to get through all of them now. No, no, the a total of five. But but if I was to pick a third one, so we talked about planting a flag and telling your story. I will give you. I'll give you the last one. The last one is is the one that I learned most recently and frankly the one that i was least comfortable with for a long time and it's give it all away and what i mean by that is the more that you can give back give away for free to the community the more that you can share the more that that you can provide your knowledge for free to folks the more that comes back to you and and that's something that i really struggled with because i put in a tremendous amount of of work into building up this expertise, into solving these problems, into developing this material, into distributing it, and giving it away for free, it, it didn't feel like it it, it. it didn't feel like the right thing to do. And it's still like there, there are moments where I'm like, eh, I don't want to do that. Wait, wait, but, a um, hey, giving away
1: for free. What are you? What are you giving away? Is it your expertise, your schedules, your speaking slot, or like? What well, is there buckets of like? Because you got to run a business. You got to feed. I mean, yeah. that's where you started off. And giving away for free might almost be like, well, it's not a nonprofit. It's- no, it's
0: not. <laughs> no, no, so Giving away content, really. I mean, a little bit of time here and there also goes a long way. But so, so if you go to my website, you go to jeffgodhealth.com right now, you're going to find my blog. It's not behind a paywall. There's years of content there. You're going you're to find a list of videos from keynote speeches that I've given over the last couple of years. Right, You can watch those for free. There's a list of all the podcasts, all the webinars, all the webcasts that I've done. That's in there as well. Uh, you know, on and on and on. There's, a, you know, of all, all the content that I put out there is available for free. And people can look, people have and can very easily, you know, get a group of folks together in the office, in the, in the, in the lunchroom one day, pull up one of my videos, play the keynote, watch it, and they could do that for free. And yet I still get hired to come in and give those talks, right? I still get hired to come in and teach these classes. And, and that's the thing that I've learned is that as you build this platform, as you develop this, this thought leader recognition, the more that you can give back to the community, yeah. the more yeah. it comes back to you. Like, I, when, if, if I'm in town somewhere, and I, I used to travel a lot, we all used to travel a lot. Um, if I'm in town and I'm, I'm doing a paid event during the day, I'll almost always do a free meetup in the evening. Right, because that that is something that really it matters to me. It matters to the community, and it creates the kind of bonds and connections and community that only doing that creates. Right, and that's super important to me. That is cool. So I'm getting questions.
1: I'm like, well, what are the other two things? Even though we may not go detail in it, they now want to know what are the other two things because that one is a really good one. So we got plan a fly. We got tell a story. The last one is give it all away. What are the two things that we skipped over?
0: So after you tell a story, we have follow the new path. Now, what what that means is as you start telling your story, people start to listen. As they start to listen, the audience size grows. As the audience size grows, your story gets amplified. Inevitably, that's going to start to generate inbound leads, new paths, new opportunities that are not necessarily going to be the thing that you had planned on or expected in your career. And this is where you really have to take that leap of faith and say, I'm going to go down this new path. I'm going to try this thing. I'm going to see how that goes. For me, it was getting offered a book deal, my first book deal. I, got, I was speaking at a conference somewhere and tech publishers go to tech conferences looking for the latest topic, the latest speakers on the topic. And I was up, up and coming on this Lean UX thing. And they said, hey, do you want to write the Lean UX book? And I said, sure, I'll write the Lean UX book. I didn't know how to write a book. I'd never written anything longer than 750 words. And now they wanted 50,000 words, right? But I said, yes. And I figured it out and it sucked and it was brutal. And it took me two years and I wrote the book four times and I burned through three editors in the process, but I followed the new path and that new path built onto the next, and next. So that's, that's, that's the third step, <laughs> third step. And then the, uh, the fourth step between that is, um, is, teach. Now, this has been really interesting. One of the, the biggest realizations I've made in the last couple of years is that I've become a teacher, um, something that I, I never thought I'd become, something, you know, if you would have asked me when I was a kid or even in, in college, what do you want to be when you grow up? I never would have said teacher. Mm. It didn't strike me as, as something that I would do, something that I was good at, and, and I, I wouldn't even know what I would teach. But that's exactly what I'm doing these <laughs> days. Right now, I feel like I'm teaching when I give uh, workshops or do coaching or consulting. I'm teaching. I'm teaching material. I'm teaching my expertise. I'm teaching how to be better at your job or how to be more successful. And uh, and that is really how you improve the material. How you get smarter. If you want to get good at something, teach. Right. There's that kind of uh, uh, saying. And I've learned that uh, as a teacher, I become better at my subject matter. Because I have to explain it every single day to somebody else. That is so true, man. I mean, it
1: almost feels like I'm writing it down. I'm like, maybe I've done some of these things that I'm definitely missing and skipping on some of these things. So it it reinforces the idea of like, there's a a process that you got to follow. I'm curious to hear from you an example of someone who has actually done that, like you've been starting to write stories of people who actually have become far over-employable. Um, I wonder if you can share maybe one of those stories.
0: I mean, I mean, look, so, so there's the, the people that that I think about who, uh, so for example, so I, I've been start. so I've started a series uh, on my blog, um, sort of on a whim, uh, sometimes stuff like that. Sometimes it's explicit. Sometimes it's like, uh, I have what I call an epiphanous shower moment, right? Where you kind of come out of the shower, like, I know what I need to do, right? I had this epiphanous shower moment and it was, I should do these uh, forever employable stories and talk to people who I believe have become forever employable. And uh, there are two up on my blog right now. There's three more coming over the next few, the next few weeks. The first one was a really big deal for me. It was with a guy named Joel Hoekstra. Joel is the current guitarist for Whitesnake. Huh. And uh, that's kind of a big deal for me. I grew up on White Snake. I saw them on my 15th birthday. Growing up, granted, Joel wasn't in the band when, when I was 15. Nevertheless, he's there now and, and I follow him on Instagram and he's forever employable. Like he plays, you know, he plays in White Snake. He plays with Foreigner, which is kind of awesome. He plays with Cher. Um, he writes for Guitar World magazine. He records parts for other musicians. He does guitar master classes all the time. And he's built, he's, he's owned this kind of heavy metal slash hard rock guitar thing in a variety of different distribution channels. Yeah. And and to me, like hearing him tell his story, he's a pro. He's super conscious about what he's doing. This isn't like willy-nilly, like, oh, I think I'll do this. I think I'll do that. Especially now that touring is shut down due to the pandemic. All this other stuff that he's done has saved his ass, to be perfectly blunt about it. Right. Because he can't tour, he can't do shows, so he's writing, he's collaborating, he's recording at home, he's teaching masterclass, he's getting lessons over Skype. Like you can take lessons from the guitarists from White Snake if you want to. Wow, right? Which is which is amazing, right? Oh, and uh, guys over here, like White, you know, White Snake is still playing. Like they're like, yeah, they are
1: yeah.
0: Really. forty years in, you know, and uh, they they put out a new record. I mean, David Coverdale, the lead singer, is seventy, right? So to be fair. But yeah, they're still doing it, and they're you know world touring, that kind of thing. so yeah. I mean, maybe it all goes back to,
1: like you do what you love to do and do more of it, ultimately. Is that what you're trying to do? Because in any job, I, I know for something that just hiring people, myself being uh, employed over the years with many different companies, to starting a company, is that 100 percent of your job is never going to be perfect. It's just not. Like there's going to be, and if you're lucky, and and if you are like doing everything possible, like I would love for right now, the live stream and everything, I'm putting the questions, I'm putting the tag in there. I'm like, I would love for like a stream of 50 people to do that. And all I get to do is just interview. But the reality is right now, things are different. So I'm I'm choosing what to do, but I love having conversations and learning. So if 70 to 80% of my job is something I love, then I will do that all day long. And sure. telling people over and over, it's like, it's don't look for a hundred percent unicorn job or, or a function. It's like, I'm sure there's stuff that you do that you'd rather not do, but probably 70, 80% of what you do is something you absolutely love.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, when, when I was thinking about where to plant my flag, you know, there's the work stuff, right? The lean UX stuff, which I ultimately decided down that path, but I considered other things. So I mentioned to you that I was a, a musician and I played piano. I, I happen to have a, stupid amount of knowledge about vintage electric pianos, right? I know I, I used to have, a, when I lived in New Jersey, I had a collection of them in my house. That's a passion of mine. I happen to, to know a lot about them and I considered planting my flag there. Right. And, and really kind of having that be the thing. Now, for me, the, the market size, the target audience size wasn't big enough. And, and I was, I wasn't sure there was a tremendous way to make a, a bunch of money there, but I considered it because it's something that I love and it's a passion of mine. Right. And so, so yeah, so doing because because if you're going to do this, you're going to do this for a while and you're going to kind of double down on this. So you better love it or you're going to be miserable. That's sure. about it. That. All right. So I, I took a bunch of notes.
1: So I'm going to share two or three big ideas that I'm getting out of this. And Jeff, I'd love for you to share a challenge with everybody. Like how do they make sure. themselves forever employable in a very practical sense that they can just start doing that today or tomorrow? Yeah. Um, and just so everybody knows, tomorrow morning at 9am, I'm, I'm also bringing in the head of sales and head of marketing, our CMO and CRO together to talk about couples therapy in marketing and sales in, in, a, in, in a tech space. So tune in for tomorrow morning at 9am. But here are the three things I learned. Number one, I feel in all the things you said, I love how intentional you have been about what you are doing. And one of the things, Jeff, that I've always said, uh, and a lot of people have probably heard me say this before, is that being intentional is more important than being brilliant, right? And and I always thought the smartest person in the room is the one who actually makes the most money. And and I've, I've proven wrong over and over again, over and over again. It's never the smartest person for the most part. It may be the smartest and the luckiest person makes the most money, but... I always seen that people who are intentional about it and they plant a flag in your words, if you kind of almost decouple that is like you plant a flag, you tell a story, you you follow this path, you teach, you just became super intentional about it. So I feel like what you just shared echoed a a theory or thesis I had around why people do great things and what is what, what makes them so amazing. And I feel like a lot of times they just put their head down and do really great work in one area. And they became super, became super successful in that. And then they started diversifying into other things because they have the credibility around it. So I feel like you literally yeah. gave give, give life to that. But the second part, and I don't want anybody to miss this. Um, everybody struggles around this idea that I, I was having this conversation yesterday um, with someone who said that, hey, look, uh, I, I'm not a self-promoter. And I'm like, um, okay, well, you know, tell me well, what does that mean? He's like, well, I don't like to put this put stuff um, on LinkedIn and all these other places. F- it feels very self-promotional. And I'm like, I have been doing that for like two years. Like, I'm sort of like, well, you know, is he calling me? So, and, and I think what was really transpired in that, I, I ended up asking uh, him a question around that, like, do you believe in what you do? Do you yeah. believe that I actually can help others? are you just selling software or you actually believe in what you do that it can help? And he said, of course I believe in what I do. I'm like, well, then why wouldn't you share? Why wouldn't you put that out there? And I'm not asking for a full production video every single day, every single week. I'm not like, just share and make it a habit of sharing something on a regular basis will make you better, make your thoughts better and make other people. And and that conversation led to this person saying, yeah, I'm going to start doing that and like fired up to do it. But I recognize and I want people who are thinking about that. And I get a lot of comments even now around this. Is like People are afraid to put anything out there in it because of the fear of being judged or or not being perfect. And I think you yeah. just somehow cross that barrier and, and we're able to like, you know what? I'm going to start putting myself out there and become intentional around it. So to me, those are like big lessons coming out of it. So I don't know if that resonates with you. I love for your commentary on that and a challenge you can
0: give everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I mean, I think you have to be intentional and, and explicit about this, right? I mean, th- th- this can't be, this stuff doesn't happen by you sort of hoping that it'll happen or occasionally doing it, right? This is essentially focusing on yourself as a startup or as a product or as a service and continuously improving and working on that intentionally. So that's absolutely true. And, and persevering through a lot, uh, you know, through the fact that, you know, when you start out, not that many people are going to pay attention to you. Maybe no one will read that blog post or no one will read that thing that you wrote, but you've got to stay on message and keep putting it out there. I think if you want to start to build some kind of a safety net for yourself that begins to future-proof your career, that begins to create some kind of an opportunity for you to pandemic-proof your career, you've got to tell your story. You've got to do it. And if you're not comfortable writing down, if you don't think you're a good writer, first of all, practice makes perfect, practice improves a lot. Um, do a short video, record a podcast. If your skill set happens to be something else, like for example, let's say you're a really good graphic artist, right? Visualize your ideas and put them out there. But waiting for something, there, there's no such thing as perfection. I was just talking about this with my wife the other day, right? And, and if you if you wait for perfection, then you'll never get there. You'll never ship, you'll never launch, you'll never get the feedback. The sooner you get stuff out there, the sooner you get feedback on it. And if someone says, Hey, that was stupid or that was dumb, right? You can ignore that criticism.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. And, and I
0: mean, and eventually someone will engage you with a thoughtful critique, right? That says, listen, this was an interesting idea. Here's what resonated for me and here's what didn't right. And the more, the more you stay on message, the more you become the person known for that thing, the more you engage in other conversations out there, the more feedback you get. And you don't have, look, you don't have to get, like I don't want you to take off and go write a thousand words on a topic and ship it tomorrow, right? My challenge to you is to go out there, like whatever your expertise or your passion is, go out into the interwebs, right? Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, wh- wherever, wherever your tribe lives, wherever your community lives, and engage in three conversations in a meaningful and respectful way tomorrow. Right. So what does that mean? That means put a comment on LinkedIn on on a thread on a thread that you that you uh, that's relevant to you. Right. Reply to a tweet or something. Right. But something meaningful, not just like nice, nice idea or really liked it. Right. But like something a bit more meaningful that shows your opinion and your point of view about that thing. Do that three times tomorrow. That starts your journey towards forever employability. I love that, Jeff. I think that's really practical. So I challenge everybody and
1: maybe tag Jeff and I on it when you do that or later on. We won't because we'll be cheering you on it. Uh, It takes courage to do do these things. But I want people to recognize it's not self-promotional when you believe in something can help somebody else. That is not self-promotional. I want people to start thinking about it differently. Jeff, so cool. This is awesome. Uh, I put a link in there for a Bitly, um, um it's uh, Bitly slash LinkedIn Live Sangram for, for a couple of books that Jeff can uh, share.
0: Um, and, uh, anything else you want to share, Jeff, on how to reach you or how to get the books? Absolutely. So the link there will take you to a form. You fill out that form. We'll do a raffle for two winners for free, co- two, two free, you know, two winners for one free copy of the book, and that'll happen as soon as the book is live in about three weeks, and then we'll send you the book. So if you fill out that form. Um, the book is, uh, if you're interested about the book foreveremployable.com, will take you to the, to the website that has all the info. And if you need to know anything at all about me, it's Jeff and everything you need to know is there. So that's a great place to start. That's awesome. Jeff, don't go anywhere. I'll, I'll,
1: I want to just hang out with you for a few more minutes, but thank you so much for sharing. And thank you everybody, uh, for listening to this.
0: You've been listening to the flip my funnel podcast.